fucking ninja. He absolutely fucked us with this one. Why do we still let him send us packages and further haunt our unnatural lives? I didn't send him our address. Well, anyway, let's just put it in and see what we get. 40 episodes later. Hey, Ashley, it just dawned on me how weird this series is. Yeah, no kidding. You want excitement? Shove this up your stocking jay. And I'm tell your folks to buy Bonestorm or go to hell, Ashley. And this is Ranger's Plane, where Power Rangers expert me takes now budding fan Ashley through the world of Power Rangers. This also weirdly includes other Saban properties like Masked Rider. high point and Power Rangers finally discovering what plot is, we are back to plotless teen sitcom land. Just a total dry wasteland out here. Yeah. Following his encounter with the Power Rangers, Prince Dex of Edenoi heads to Earth to, in an attempt to stop his uncle Cal Dragon from conquering the planet. After literally making a crater in their backyard, he is taken in by the Stewart family in the town of Leewood. Along with his annoying furry friend Furbus, Dex uses the powers of the Masked Rider to save Leewood from various convoluted monsters of the week. That's it. That's the show. Yeah, it's... Uh, one of the things I had that we definitely pointed out is how much more sitcom this, this was than Power Rangers. Yeah, especially, like, okay, so season one of Power Rangers, like, if you guys can remember that far back to when we talked about it, I often compared it to Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Which, Saved by the Bell is technically a sitcom, like, but it was, like, a sitcom with a high school moral, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, But, like, what happens here is that there's very rarely, well, there are obviously some morals to the episodes because, like, this is a 90s, like, children's television show. Yeah. So, of course, they gotta, like, package in a moral so that way they're not, like, completely in trouble for just having this program to sell toys. But there's just so many parts of it that are so more overtly sitcom-y than Power Rangers, and it's kind of weird. Yeah, it was it was super weird because it was like we were watching this and like nothing happened <laughs> at all. Like there's, like there is sort of the plot of like, okay, so Dexus comes down from Edenoi to stop Count Dragon. But then, like, there's very little overarching plot that concurs with that. Okay, so at this point, it would be 1996, 1997 that the show was running. Mm-hmm. So that would have been, like, what? Power Rangers Season 3 slash Zeo? Yeah. So, like, even those had, like, kind of overarching, like, somewhat overarching plots by that point. I was about to say, Season 3 especially, because it had all those, like, three-parter, four-parter episodes. And then, of course, you have, like, the whole Alien Rangers arc at the very end of the series. So, like, 
I don't get where, like, all of a sudden we've just forgotten how to do any sort of plot. And, like, as a consequence, it somehow ends up even more paper thin than Power Rangers, which is kind of impressive. Yeah, the, the first season of Power Rangers is super paper thin. And I just remember when we were, like, talking about the first uh, couple of seasons... Uh, we could actually, like, really talk about some of the characters or character-centric episodes we could focus on. But, like, Master Rider, I remember we were, like, doing this. We're like, wow, our character section seems very flat compared to our other section, which is just how weird this fucking show is. Yeah, and it's like, you can't even get away with saying that it's an explicit toy commercial. I mean, it's a Saban show. Of course it's a toy commercial. Yeah. There's really nothing to really gravitate towards any of the characters in any particular sort of way. And I think it also suffers from the fact that, like, Dex is sort of the only hero in the entire series. Yeah. So, like, there's no real dynamic outside of the Stewart family. Yeah, it, it's like, I, I, it may have been to, to just didn't know how to, like, write more with the Stewart family. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's like, Dex being the main character, okay, fine, he's the main hero. But you have, like, other cast members to, uh, for him to, like, fall on, mm-hmm. or essentially... Especially um, with him not understanding human culture, and we'll get to that. But they kind of just were like, nope. Until some of the episodes at the very end where they did focus on some of the family members. Right. Some some weird shit with that. I will say the advantage, the one advantage that this does have over Power Rangers Season 1. Well, there's it has a couple advantages over Power Rangers Season 1. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But it's only 40 episodes long. Yeah, Versus the 60 fucking episodes of pointlessness that was Power Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 1. 60 fucking episodes. Fucking episodes. Ugh. So let's get kind of down to the characters. There's Dex, who later becomes Dex Stewart. And uh, one of the main things I find very interesting was he was age appropriate for that role. Um, when they casted Power Rangers, the youngest was Austin St. John at age 19. Ted Jan Roberts, when he played Dex, was actually around 16, 17. Which surprised me, because it's like, I just, I, I'm so used to Saban, I just sort of assumed that he was like, you know, had to at least be 19. Yeah. But nope. Um, I will say this, though, it's funny that, like, he hasn't done a whole too much else, like, acting-wise outside of Master Rider, but one of the things he did uh, do was that he played, um, he played LGBTQ activist and marijuana legalization activist uh, Dennis Perron in Milk, which is, like, I think this is, like, one of the first times I've seen, like, any sort of Saban actor in some sort of prestige film. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, it's, like, the actors, uh, when we were, like, researching that, and we'll get into it with with each one, it's, like, the actors and actresses in this kind of had, like, interesting careers post-Mastrator. We'll get into that more with, like, each time someone comes up. One of the things, uh, he's the Prince of Edenoi. They, uh, as we found out through the backdoor pilot, they are under attack and kind of in a warlike stake right now. And he got the Mass Rider powers because he's the Prince of Edenoi. They really didn't go into it much. Yeah, so it's never explained in the Power Rangers, like, um, crossover. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's never explained how he gets the Mass Rider powers in the TV show either. So it's sort of just like... Sure, so he has the special powers because he's the prince of this planet. It may have been explained, because I have, like, the Wikipedia page open at least, and it said it's passed down through generation to generation. But 
so much happened and nothing happened at all that we're just kind of like, I, I guess he has the powers. Yeah, like they never, there's never an origin story of like, you know, this is how the master writer came to be or like, it's not like, okay, because you know how like in Black Panther they do explain that like the powers of the Black Panther are passed down through the royal family? Yes. Uh, because, you know, the first part, like the first um, leader of Wakanda gained the powers of the Black Panther after eating the heart-shaped fruit. So, like, yes, that makes sense. But there's no, like, story of, like, you know, the first, like, the first king of Enoi ate a bug and then gained bug powers or something like that. It was a, let's just say it was, like, a radioactive golden bug. I don't know. (laughs) It was irradiated by the sun that bakes Enoi. So, okay, so basically we're just saying that there's no explanation for that. I do remember that they do briefly mention that, like, someday Dex will have a son, and his son will be the master writer as well. It's like, okay, like, what if he has a daughter? Does it just, does the line end? No more master writers? This this is something, I guess, for anyone who wants to take on this IP in the future, in any way, whether fanfic or otherwise... Uh, it's, it's, it's probably most likely never going to be otherwise. Let's be honest with yourself. Uh, unless, unless Seamus is really good at that pitch that he wants to do. Unless Toya gets cool with a bunch of things real quick. It's probably <laughs> not going to happen. But yeah, it's like, that's a good fanfic thing to do is like Dex having a daughter. Right. But moving back on to Dex. Um, so Dex's powers of being the mass writer give him like, I guess, sort of deus ex machina head gem powers? You know, it's not really clear if that was, like, him as the mass writer or, like, him as an Edenoyan. Edenite, sorry. Yeah. So, like, his grandfather has kind of similar powers, and I think, you know, you can safely assume his grandfather was the mass writer at some point. Yeah. Okay, and I, I think his, like, his friend Danaeus also had similar powers. Um. Yeah. But, like, so he has these, like, powers to kind of just do anything that the plot requires. Yeah. So, like, he has telepathy, where he can communicate with, like, his grandfather back on Edenoi, or his, or his, uh, his vehicles, or whatever. The, the two we noted was, uh, the one was restoring liquids in a bottle, because, uh, Patsy, like, gave him this, like, showed off her fancy perfume that, let's face it, wasn't very fancy. Uh, and right. he thought it was something to drink, so he just drank it. And uh, <laughs> he then restored the liquid, and, like, Patsy was like, what the fuck just happened? And all I could think of was the John Mulaney perfume bit, where he talked about being, like, so drunk at a party or something, where somebody handed him a fancy bottle and, and went... Is this uh, perfume or booze? And he drank it, and the entire thing chucked it over his, like, shoulder and went, It's perfume! Yeah. I think, um, I think Molly tries to pass it off as, like, him doing a magic trick. Which, you know, not very convincing. Uh, his other weird-ass power is that he can summon bugs out of nowhere by making, like, a high-pitched screech. Yes! Oh my god! This happens more than once in the series. It's truly fucking bizarre. Like, 
So, like, the whole thing about Dex is that I think somebody on the writing staff is like, well, clearly, like, the common writer looks like a bug, so we gotta make the master writer have bug-related powers. Why don't we have it that his race evolved from insects, and he can summon bugs by screeching really loudly? And my favorite thing is because, um... Hissing cockroaches are very easily trained. They're always hissing cockroaches. Right. <laughs> it's, you know what? Sure. I mean, like, as soon as I described everything out loud, it makes, I definitely am now certain, or at least 95% certain, that so whoever came up with that well, it might have been on a cocaine bender. Probably. Probably on an ins- insane one. And my favorite bit of this is when he did it for the Christmas special. And, like, gave them a cookie and let them have, like, a little tiny village to play in. Yeah, it was, like, because it was, like, Barbara's, like, little Christmas village. And he sets it up in the garage specifically for, like, his bug friends. And it's, like, that's very sweet of you. This is still a very weird and specific power to have. Yes. Uh, As we pointed out, his race did evolve from insects and he will not shut up about it. He's very proud of the fact that Edenites have evolved from bugs, and he does not understand that nobody else in the universe, or at least nobody on Earth, has evolved from bugs. Including, like, the one episode, which we will get to because it's one of the weird episodes, where they they go out for uh, Hal and Barbara's anniversary, and they order escargot, and he gets very offended by it. Yeah, because he doesn't know what it is until it's on the table. And then he's like, oh no, you're eating my kind! Yeah, it's like what you think, that, like, by that point, like, Barb and, like, Hal would have explained to him, hey, so, we're going to a French restaurant, there's some things that they eat that are bugs, are you going to be okay with this? But I guess that doesn't get you the, uh, the cultural misunderstanding laughs that this series kind of rolls on. Yeah, uh, a lot of the series rolls on... Human culture is, uh, Dex just does not understand human culture at all, particularly, uh, U.S. American culture, and, mm-hmm. um, he kind of, he learns a lot of it because I don't think they ever go over whether he just doesn't sleep or not, or if they did, we, we right. didn't pay attention, was he doesn't get much sleep, so he just watches TV all night, and because of that, he learns communication, like, learns about culture through uh, commercials, and then will just, like, if something reminds him of a commercial, he will just recite it. Yeah, he recites the commercial verbatim, and then there's, like, a cup, like, there's at least one episode that involved a talent show where it's just very clear that he's, like, doing his best, like, dance impersonation of Michael Jackson. It's like, oh, you you were probably watching a bunch of MTV. Yeah. Um, Because they still played videos around then. Um, Played a lot of Samurai Pizza Cats. Yeah, well, I think that's mostly the Saban thing. But yeah, there was a non-zero amount of Samurai Pizza Cat instances in Master Rider. And it was kind of hilarious. Yeah. I will also say, like, uh, it's another part of his, like, I do not understand human culture is that he always takes idioms very literally yes i kind of like wow i know what that's like (laughs) right (laughs) so like it's always a thing is that somebody will say something like i'm trying to remember a specific example and like 
I, my brain is just like, like full disclosure, I like started a new job recently and I've had some early mornings. So like oftentimes my brain is just like, it's a, it's a baked potato. Like it's just, there's nothing happening right now. <laughs> well, like the, an idiom like, oh, well, it's off to the races, I guess. And he'll be like, what race? Yeah, and then they have to sit and explain to him, like, no, that's not what we meant. It means X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, and he's like, oh, okay. And then that's usually a lead-in for him to do, like, one of his commercial bits. Yeah. One of the things uh, we noticed through his, I guess it was a mating dance that he did, because he showed off how Edenites dance, was he has really good hand control. Yeah, so, like, I made the joke initially, um, because, like, it was the whole episode about there being, like, a dance competition, and, which already cited that with the Michael Jackson dance moves. So, at some point, they're showing off their dance moves, and he's like, no, that's not how we dance on Edenoy, and then he does, like, this very, kind of bizarre, like, very jerky dance that, like, just made me think of the, the mating dance that Zoidberg did in Futurama. Yes! Like, rah! Like he was, yeah, it was just a few squawks short of it being a full Zoidbergian mating dance. Um, but I also noticed because like earlier this summer, I had a week, like a weekly watch session for uh, the show Legendary on HBO Max. So that was my pride month. <laughs> um, I was just like, wow, he has really good arm control. Like... Get him up there with Gravity Ball Maine and we can figure something out, you know? <laughs> the two things. Um, one, I will say in this in a serious bit, I definitely think there should be like thick or something where he is picked up by um, ballroom ja- drag queens instead and raised by them. Oh, God. It's something that will never happen on TV. <laughs> yeah. And then the other is, uh, because you mentioned the Zoidberg, I'm like, so is the national anthem on Edenoy? Is that the national anthem? I mean, it looks like one of that fucking rock quarry that they were fighting in in like Star Trek anyway. So you know what? Maybe. We don't know. Yeah. Oh my God. So I will say, as much as we were like kind of making fun of Dex and like his initial appearance on Power Rangers and kind of making fun of him here. We did actually kind of grow to love him a little bit. Yeah, he's he's a, he's still a dork, but he's very endearing dork. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're trying. You're you're trying your best. Yeah. So like so he's a he's a baby. He's a baby boy. Unlike Furbus. Evil. <laughs> uh so we we are not on the Furbus Hail Furbus train. We fucking hated Furbus. Oh god, like from the I've never wanted to fight something so hard from the first moment I ever saw it. <laughs> like I'm not just counting like okay. Ever since I was shown pictures of Furbus before we got into Master Rider, I knew I was going to hate this character. Yeah. And then like he spoke quote quote in the first episode, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, fuck you, buddy. He, yeah, we we just were like, we fucking hate Furbos. And he was designed by the Chiodo Brothers, who are the uh, production company, a.k.a. the people who brought us killer clowns from outer space. So, you know, high quality shit. We did note that it's like, 
we should have notated it better, but we definitely realized part of the way through the season is that they did have distinct Furbis suits. Oh, yeah, they did. And, it like, one of them was so creepy. I think it was the one that uh, the suit actor had to wear, Von Troyer had to wear. Uh, was it Von Troyer? Yeah, he was the suit actor. Uh, there was a voice actor and suit actor. Okay, because I'm like, I, yeah, I just, I never saw that anywhere else, like, besides you telling me that. So I was like, I wasn't certain. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Um, but, yeah, it was just, like, it's, like, I think especially the one that they put on, you know, on Troyer, like, it, like, it had overly large irises versus, like, having the, having the balance with the pupils. Yeah. So the eyes were, like, more distinctly blue, or, like, kind of that green-blue that they had for Furbis and, like, the other, like, Furbis suits. And duller, too. Like, yeah, dead. Oh, God, it was so creepy. Ugh. Yeah, we just, we did not like Furbis. And then, like, but also it was just, like, he was weirdly centric to the entire show because there would be times that the plot could not move along because it revolved around Furbis getting into some stupid bullshit. Yeah. Like, fuck Fur. Like, there are times where I got so annoyed that I was like, fuck you, Furbis. Yeah, because it's just like, how does he keep getting out of the house? Like... He, I don't know, because it's like, it feels like, you know, the stewards either leave the door unlocked and he just goes barreling through, or, like, Fervis has figured out how to unlock doors and will just escape and, like, run around town. And it's just like, how do more people not see him, like, running around mm -hmm. and being like, there's some sort of, like, cryptid on the loose in Leewood. Looks like a bear duck. Yeah. I don't know why I gave, like, this randomly would, um, resident a southern accent when it's kind of clear that they're probably somewhere in California. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, yeah, for, uh, what was I thinking about Furbos? Um, other than he was a bear duck, and they, I, oh, it was what, when you first saw him, I showed you a picture of him, and we were, we were about to watch one of the Power Ranger seasons, and you went, what my what Ducktales monstrosity is this? Yes, oh my god, because he looked like some sort of mutant Ducktales character, and it was just like, yeah, there's no other way to describe it. He's kind of just like this, because like occasionally on Ducktales, like both like the original Ducktales and the 2017 reboot, which I fucking love the 2017 reboot and I highly recommend it. But anyway, there sometimes be these creatures that are kind of like. Are, that are monsters or that kind of look like the rest of the ducks or look like other, like, people in Duckburg or whoever else they encounter on their adventures. So he looked, like, if you just grew him to giant, like he was in that one episode, um, yeah, he could easily fit in as some sort of monstrosity on DuckTales. One of the big things we also noticed was, uh, no, we wanted to get in this joke, as much as we hate Kevin Smith, uh, Furbis is driving, how can that be? Yeah, because there's multiple episodes that involve Furbis driving some sort of vehicle, usually Hal's car. Uh, we, at one point we tried to sync it up to the jackass theme. <laughs> it didn't quite work, but like... It didn't quite work. Oh, I think because he, that one he specifically climbed in some sort of like grocery cart. Oh yeah, and was evading the, the... The dog oh, catchers, dog catchers. Yeah. Because that's a thing we still worry about in 90s, like, television shows. Dog catchers. That was weird. Yeah. 
And then I, I guess the final note on Furbos before we, because it's like we could spend the entire podcast hating on Furbos. Yeah. Is he uh, lived in a closet like Harry Potter, but it was way nicer. It was like this weird studio apartment. At some point, like I want to say around the Christmas episode, you finally see inside of Furbos's like little like sweet as it were mm-hmm. and like because at first you just see that he like hides in like the this little like cupboard under the stairs i guess they that they weren't really using it for anything because he managed to successfully hide in there for probably at least two days but like you look in there and he's got like a bed and like it, since it was the christmas episode he also had his own little like christmas setup with a little tree and decorations and like it looked fucking nice in there i'm like this looks way nicer than my apartment i actually like there was also one point uh when albie was hiding uh his rc car in there there was like a doormat yeah furbus has like some swanky digs for like literally living in a closet under the stairs fuck you furbus yeah mm. Alright, so we're going to move on to the siblings. So we're going to first start with Molly. Um, let's talk about this a little bit later. I did find it interesting that they they brought it up and then never really touched on it again about the fact that both Molly and Albie are adopted. Yeah. And like, they make a big deal about, well, we're adopted too, so we're adopting you into our family. But it's also just like... I'll never, never forget the, uh, the, the fucking, like, Master Rider PSA that we can't seem to find anymore because it got nuked from YouTube. No. Oh. It was so great. Hey, Albie, you don't have to do this report because you're adopted. <laughs> so many different types of families. families. <laughs> Seriously, if you have this PSA out there, somebody, please re-upload it to YouTube. It is so funny. Like, my best guess is that, like, somebody's channel got nuked, because there's no way Toya gives that much of a shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, it's Mask Rider, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to start on Molly, who's the oldest, and she's closer to Dex in age. I think they were supposed to be the, about the same age. Yeah. Um, we will say that her, like, she had the best fashion, like, the best 90s fashion in the show. Oh, yeah. Like, I kept on complimenting, like, her outfits. Because she actually dressed like a lot of teenagers did at the time. Yeah, so it definitely makes sense. Her fashion sense is definitely up there with Kimberly in the first three seasons of Power Rangers. The next thing is that this might just be a consequence of her being, like, the main girl character. Is that she's the sensible sibling. Yeah. She's kind of, she's the empathetic one. She helps Dex kind of really figure out what's going on in, like, human culture and doesn't really lead him astray too much on that. Yeah, and so she kind of, and like, I won't say she's the moral compass because, like, Dex is a very, is very much a lawful good character. Yeah. Um, But, like, yeah, she's kind of the one who's showing him the ropes of human, like, human culture and all that fun stuff. Um, I mean, I'm glad that no, like, Edgelord is really into this series because I just feel like somebody would be like, let's make Dex, uh, let's make an episode where, like, Dex has to be convinced that murder is not okay, actually. Oh, my God. Just, mm. I don't understand that Edgelord culture of just being like, Oh, it was like all it was all a dark dream that they were having or, you know, this is a psychotic delusion of one person. It's like, you know, sometimes a dumb children's TV show is just a dumb children's TV show. You don't yeah. have to give it any sort of darker meaning. Yeah. 
I could add a name on the end of that, and I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so, uh, yeah, and the other main thing is that sometimes she deals with Patsy, who's their next-door neighbor, and kind of their frenemies. Like, they were really playing up the frenemy trope before the frenemy trope was really a thing. Um, and we'll talk about Patsy in a bit, because, oh, Patsy's a whole can of worms. Yeah. I was about to say, the cheerleading episode, she tried out for the cheerleading squad and made the cut. And uh, it was never mentioned afterwards, uh, partly because the television show went off the air, and also because, like, it's Saban. Yeah, Saban loves to do these things that are supposed to have, like, big plot meanings. And then it just never gets brought up again. Uh, remember when all the Power Rangers met, like made the Angel Grove football team? Yep. Or when, uh, was it Tanya joined the baseball team? Yes. Yep. Any of the ones, the, some of the random characters that like get introduced on Power Rangers and then just disappear into the ether. Except- that happens a lot on this show too. <laughs> uh, what was the one dude that... We'll bring him up later when we talk about this one particular character, well, briefly, but uh, what was the one dude who was kind of like the stoner hacker in Power Rangers? He actually showed up twice. And that was like a revelation because it's like, wow, you have a character that showed up like longer than one episode. So like Raymond, who was, uh, who was like, he was like one of the few people. And there's a couple of people like that, but it's 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 kind of like that. They'll just bring up stuff and never bring it up again. Yeah, which that's just the Saban way. Yep. Um. So that brings us to our next sibling, uh, Albie, who is the younger of the two. Um. So we will say that his actor uh, Ashton McArn is better than most child actors. Yeah, he wasn't very wooden or anything. You know, it could be over the top at times, but he was not like, I am child. Yeah, and he's not like, I will say, I mean, his the scripts they are giving him are not especially great. Um, oh, no. Yeah. I was going to make the yippee reference. I'm like, no, let's not punch Jake Lloyd while he's down further. Yeah. <laughs> Albie was like the chaos sibling. I just remember we were watching the Mud Game Show, the Mud Game Show or something of Know Your Neighbor, and he would just like, yeah. mu- like throw mud on uh, Patsy's like family, even if like the other fa- even if the other stewards were like, oh, I don't know, that's kind of mean. He's like, fuck it. Yeah. Side note: What is it with Saban and game show episodes? Wow, you're right. They love game show episodes. Yeah, because that happened multiple times in Power Rangers. Holy shit. Especially, like, because I'm thinking of the Halloween, like, one, or, like, one where they were on that, the haunted set. Yeah. But, like, that's a thing with Saban. They fucking love themselves a good game show episode. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you really wanted to note the tuba episode where he had the recital and the whole thing was, well, Dex, make it to the recital. And they dubbed over the instruments, and this is normally done, TV time, magic time to take away. Uh, you don't normally hear the diegetic or the onset sounds of instruments. They normally use non-diegetic dubbing or, like, outside of the set. Uh, sounds and uh, they used like MIDI recordings of these instruments. Yeah, and the, the tuba especially was mostly egregious, but also fucking hilarious. Yeah, 
And it was also very hilarious because Abby's like this small eight-year-old playing a fucking tuba. And like, so I feel, and he's not, you can very clearly tell he's not really blowing into it. Yeah. Um, so I just have a feeling they just told Ashton, it's like, okay, just pretend that you're playing it and we will fill in the noises later. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, and I think the tuba was larger than him, which was the best part. Yeah, it's like, of all instruments to pick out for an eight-year-old, like, I remember my mom was really big into, like, making my sister and I play violin. Like, violin's a big one for young children to play, or piano or something. But, like, the tuba, that's when you get in, like, middle school and try out for band. Right. Uh, which you could tell the Stewarts weren't a big fans of him playing the tuba either, but, like... I guess they're supportive of their child. They seem very supportive no matter what. That's true. Um, okay, so the, the also one of the weird episodes with Albie, because Albie has a few, like, centric episodes, or at least episodes where he's kind of, like, a big plot driver. And oftentimes they're involving, like, very obvious, like, kid things. Like, you know, he's racing RC cars. He's dealing with a bully at the, um at the arcade who keeps hogging the machine you know that kind of stuff or you know you get the shenanigans of like he fills out a sweepstakes form with like Ferbus's name like in a good old santos l helper move but like they're one of the weirdest episodes involving him is that there's an episode where like he has like a concussion dream that like he got dex's powers after he like ran head head on into dex during a like a backyard baseball game and i guess through the headbutt like his powers like dex's powers transferred to albie yeah that was so weird but it was all a dream all... so don't worry about so it don't worry about it much like this entire series was all a dream <laughs> i wish god i wish <laughs> Uh, we also would like to note he is noticeably taller at the uh, uh, end of the, uh, of the se- series itself. Yeah, because, like, I noticed that at some point we're getting into, like, episode, like, 30 or something. And I'm just like, did did he get taller? Did he hit a growth spurt? I mean, there's a couple of, like, aesthetic changes that y- you'll notice. Like, because at some point, like, um, Ted Jan Roberts got a, got a uh, haircut but Albie gets about, like, I would say, like, at least six inches taller. Yeah. Anything else you want to note? Uh, I can't think of anything. No, I, I can't. Uh, so we're on the Stewarts, which is how, who is played by uh, veteran voice actor David uh, Stenstorm, who uh, was King Mondo, and he's a, and Hal's a catch-all repairman who's a part-time inventor, they kind of dropped the inventor thing after a while, though. Yeah, he kind of just becomes, like, a catch-all handyman for the neighborhood. And then uh, his wife, Barbara, who is played by Candace Keita, for the first couple of episodes, I'm like, why do I know her? She looks kind of familiar to me, and I don't know why. So I end up, ID- like, looking her up on IMDb. Uh, she played, a, like, a lot of bit parts and stuff, but, like, one of her bit parts was on the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Uh, the part she played is particularly hilarious because she was an actress in a feminist porn film that Rebecca was watching uh, in season four, and the season four episode she was in was a Cats parody. 
uh, sorry, it was specifically a Cats parody about the fact that Rebecca couldn't get laid. Um, which I should note one last thing about that particular uh, porn that Rebecca was watching. It was a both like she was playing a Candace was pl- uh, playing a judge who was trying to get pleasure from three men, as was her right. <laughs> anyway, um. So the whole thing about Barbara is that she owns her own catering company that she runs out of her own kitchen, which seems kind of counterproductive, but you know what? You go for it. Um, also, also probably yeah. cheaper in the long run for production. Yeah. I just, I feel like if she's running like her own business, I feel like she would at least, you know, have some space she rents, but you know, she hasn't gone on like a cooking show yet and won that like hundred thousand dollar prize to rent out a kitchen. Oh my God. Barbara on chopped. Oh God. Yeah. I feel like I feel like she could handle it. She's baked around Furbis. Yeah. Oh my thick idea. Barbara Stewart goes to chopped. Right. Um, so I will say something I noticed that was kind of weird is that they would specifically have her dress up for like catering events that she was working. Like be in a scene wearing like a random like costume. Um, like, oh, I'm catering, like, this wedding. I'm catering, like, this, um, like, I think one point she was, like, catering, like, a Mexican, like, no, she was catering someone's quinceanera, if I remember correctly. So she was dressed in, like, so she was dressed in, like, this, like, traditional, quote, quote, because it looked like it was, like, somebody in the, um, in the costume department trying to do traditional uh, Mexican, like, garb. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, it kind of came out a little cheap-looking, but she would always... Well, not always, but, like, there would just be multiple times she would be dressed up in, like, costumes being, like, oh, I need to go and, like, cater this particular party. I uh, know, she was... Uh, there was one where she was dressed like a uh, like an, uh, an old-timey, like, aristocratic person, like, looked like she was about to go into the court of Versailles. Yeah, and then there was another time she was dressed as a maid. Yeah. I don't know what that was correlating to. But yeah, it was just kind of weird. And then they dropped it, of course, because it's, you know, right. I mean, they never really dropped the the catering thing because that was her business. So that makes sense. They were probably just running out of, like, costumes. Yeah. Um, So basically their characters is Hal's very much the father and Barbara's very much the mom. Yeah, so, like... I remember the episode we mentioned where, like, Albie fills out the sweepstakes form with Furbus's name and ends up winning. And it's supposed to be, like, m- multiple million dollars. And, like, Hal's just like, well, we can just say that, like, Furbus is my nickname and we can get the money that way. And Barbara's like, no, we have to do what's right, you know. Like, Marge Simpson has more impulses than this. Yeah. Um... No, that was very mean to Marge. I love Marge. Um, (laughs) We also kind of love Barbara. Yeah. Barbara's, like, I love Barbara, too. And, like, the funny thing is, is that, like, very much like your parents, like, they do have them, like, have moments where they have uh, odd pasts that are hinted at. Yeah. But they're never really explored. Uh, One of the things we would like to, there was kind of an episode that was trying to rear into, like, teaching about racism with Hal's mom, but never really committed to it. Yeah, because, like, Hal's mom comes to visit, and she is... I, I'm trying to figure out if they were trying to stereotype her to be, like, a... um, Kind of, like, a nagging Jewish grandmother. Yeah. Um, Which I'm not gonna touch on that, but, like, she was still, like, very... She was very nagging. She loves her grandkids, 
But, like, you can very clearly tell that she was, like, at best, she probably just doesn't think Barbara is good enough for her son because she's that kind of mother-in-law. At worst, she has definitely said some anti-Asian bullshit behind Barbara's back. Yeah. And probably to her face at one point. Yeah, it was just kind of weird. Um, Hal, uh, the other thing is Hal used to be in a rock band. It wasn't just a high school garage band. Yeah, and then, like, Barbara at one point, you find out that she was on the cheerleading team because she does, like, try to encourage Molly to, like, try out and teaches her, like, one of the cheers that she, like, would do when she was in high school. Didn't you, like, headcanon that, like, Hal and Barbara met at, like, one of Hal's gigs. Yeah, like yeah, basically it's like some weird, like, like, weird rock dive bar that had way too good of food for its, like, for for the, the type of establishment it was. Right. Because there are dive bars like that where, like, the food's amazing and Barbara was, like, the lead cook there and they just met through that. Yeah, which would make sense. Another thing about Hal that they kind of, they would bring up in, like, the first two episodes and then it gets quickly dropped uh, is that Hal is allergic to animals, so that's why they don't have any pets. But when Furbis is around, like, for those first two episodes and is hiding, like, he can't stop sneezing because that's how, that is the, like, television shorthand to show that, like, somebody is allergic to something. But after they find out that Furbis exists, like... They're like, oh, well, Furbis can stay. And then Hal all of a sudden does not get sneeze anymore. He does not show any sort of allergic symptoms. So it's like either they forgot or just didn't want to deal with it. Or Hal is constantly on antihistamines. Yeah. So I guess we're, we're going on to the um, kind of allies for the season. Uh, uh, we're going on to the allies of the season. Magno and Ch- uh, Combat Chopper. Uh, they were the car and the bike, respectively. Um, they were from Black RX, which is where everything kind of came from footage-wise. Uh, Magno was kind of, like, weirdly horny. Yeah, they drop it after, like, probably would say the first ten episodes or so. But for the first ten episodes that Magno... Well, not first ten, but, like... Because they were all, they were not in the entire series. But, like, the first chunk of episodes that Magno is in, like... They're having Wendy Lee, who is playing her, be weirdly horny for Dex. And I'm just like, why is this, like, why are you trying to make her, like, the horny Knight Rider? Like, I don't get it. Because she's a woman and must be sexy. Yeah, eventually they do tone that down, like, a lot. Like, they still, like, Wendy Lee doesn't change her voice too much, but she stops laying on the sexy voice. Yeah. And it just kind of becomes a little bit more like her playing, like, a, a robot car. Uh, with a personality, of course. Yeah. Uh, for Combat Chopper, he is voiced by the one, the only, Dr. Jason Narvey. <laughs> he earned that PhD, damn it. Yeah, we, like, there's no other title we will refer to him by on this podcast. So, like, his voice as Combat Chopper is not that different from Skull, if we're being totally honest. Yeah. But, you know, it's always nice to hear him. There's an episode where Combat Chopper gets jealous because Dex is doing motocross, which, again, 
gets brought up for one episode and it's never mentioned again. And it's called Green Eye Monster and you think it's going to be the entire episode and it's like a secondary if if that if that most plot point. Yeah, cuz it's like it got it gets brought up like once in like the first act. And then like in the second act, I think like Combat Chopper grouses a little bit about it like while they are actually like in the middle of a fight. And then it gets brought up one more time towards the end of the episode where Dex is just like, hey, you know, you're my number one motorcycle or whatever. I don't remember what he said. But it's like, yeah, I feel like they're like for an episode that's advertising it to be about jealousy, I would expect it deals more with jealousy and not how good Dex is at motocross because he's good at everything. Uh, I was about to say they died for a brief moment and there was actually this sadness. And then I don't know, I may be misremembering it because it was late at night. But I swear, Furbus's tears brought them back. <laughs> That's not quite what happened, but I also don't really remember what happened either. I just know Furbus and Dex were, like, crying or something over them dying. They were really sad about it, but then they came back and everything was fine. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's really all that happened with Magno and Combat Chopper. So, kind of, let's move on to Patsy and Herbie, who are kind of the bulk and skull of this series. Kind of. Um, kind of emphasis on kind of uh so as we mentioned previously with patsy she's kind of like molly's frenemy like emphasis on enemy but like because she's that type that like she wants to be all up in molly's business but she very clearly does not like molly yeah um and she's the next door neighbor to the stewarts and like as you noted here she's like urkel she just walks into the house like she lives there whenever she wants yeah like hi um the other thing is she acts like she's richer than she is and it often is played for like comedic purposes yeah usually for like dex to unknowingly knock her down a peg yeah um because like uh i remember this happens like this happens like multiple times but the two that i remember especially were like there's one episode very early on where she's just like, oh, yeah, we just got back from a beach vacation in Hawaii or was it the Bahamas? I don't remember. Anyway, she just comes back from an island vacation. She's got that beautiful, like, sun-kissed like glow because she got a tan. And then Dex, who can see through solid objects, I guess, uh, notices in her purse that she has suntan lotion. Or, not suntan lotion. Uh, she has like spray tan. tanner yeah she has a spray yeah. tan it was obvious to us because we've seen a lot of independent wrestlers and they're very bad like fake tans um yeah it was just kind of like yeah that is definitely a fake tan yeah and then that was confirmed by dex who's just like huh like and then he says like the name of the product and again he's doing this not i don't think he's doing this maliciously yeah and then, like, in a later episode where they're at a public pool and she's like, oh, do you like my designer swimsuit? And then, like, uh, Dex sees, like, the label on the back of her swimsuit and it's from, like, Bargain Swimsuits. Yeah. And he's like, oh, did, like, did you get that at Bargain Swimsuits? And then he starts, like, singing, like, the, the, the commercial jingle for Bargain Swimsuits. And, like, she runs away embarrassed because uh, that's basically how the whole bit goes is that, like, Patsy tries to impress Dex or, like, anybody else around her. And then, like, she, like, Dex notices something that shows that she's lying. He brings it up and then she just walks away in a huff. She also, she also at one point, even though Dex does this to her, she's like, Dex is hot. 
Like, I want that. Yeah, so, so like, she hits on both Dex and, well, she hits on Dex both, like, when he's outside, like, being Dex the human, human, um, and then, like, when, at one point when he, like, rescues her while he's Masked Rider, and she's like, oh my god, Masked Rider, will you go out with me? And it's just like, girl, settle down, like, and they never really touch on that again. It's not like the episode of, like, Dino Charge where, like, was it Chase's girlfriend? Yeah. Where Chase's girlfriend's like, I want to go on a date with the Black Ranger. <laughs> yeah. And, and and Chase actually learns how to be a boyfriend because of it. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, it's just, like, it's a joke about, like, Patsy just being like, oh, my God, like, you're so hot. Um, and it's like, you can't see his face, so that just means that you're into bug creatures, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, like, Patsy was just, like, maybe it was because I knew people like her in, like, middle and high school. And, like, she was just so insufferable and not really in an endearing way that, like, you know, Bulk and Skull eventually turned out to be. Yeah, like, we were just annoyed by her. Like, I was... I've been very testy watching this because, like, I've been trying to uh, not wean off of vaping. Mm-hmm. So, which comes into something later. Uh, so I, at one point, just call her, just went, shut the fuck up, you dumb bitch. Yeah, she's just, yeah, it's, I don't understand the point of her character besides just being, like, kind of obnoxious whenever the plot needs somebody to be obnoxious. I will say, like, kind of the two funniest bits with her is there's uh, one episode where uh, Danaeus, who is another Eden Knight that's, like, uh, best friends with Dex, comes down to Earth. And, like, she's trying to figure out what's going on. And, like, uh, Danaeus decides to distract her by basically, like, kind of, like, messing with her head. Like, literally. Where she, like, sees, like, an ice cream truck go by. And she all of a sudden, she can only think about out ice cream. She only wants to eat ice cream. And she goes screaming after the truck to try to chase it down. Her actress plays it to, like, comedic perfection in that case. And then with the who, uh, Who's Your Neighbor episode, she, like, you meet the rest of her family. And you kind of get how, why she's like that because her mom and her dad definitely have the um we lie about how much money we make vibes uh, especially like the uh, you find out he's just a shoe salesman or something yeah because he was trying to make it be like that he was a fashion designer uh one of the things we also found out is uh libby letlow i think is how you pronounce patsy's actress's name she's like a puppeteer now yeah like wasn't she in like an avenue q or something like that yeah, she was in Avenue Q. She has her own, I think she's, like, a part of or has her own production company. It's it's kind of neat. Like, if she's a puppeteer, there's possibly that I might have, like, a six-degree, like, separation connection to her. Yeah. Because uh, I know lots of weird people. <laughs> but, yeah, which, you know, good for her. Um, we'd like to point out that Herbie's only characterization is he's a fucking simp for her. Yeah, like, Herbie's whole thing is that, like, he they try to make him, like, a second banana, kind of similar to, like, if she's Bulk, he's Skull. He doesn't really develop much of a character beyond that. Like, he's kind of punk. But, like, other than that, like, it seems like Patsy's just sort of continuously leading him on and he never fucking gets it. Yeah, just simp man. Yeah, simp man. He also, like, his entire vibe is, like, the the 
one kid from like Trolls 2. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. They're eating her and then they're going to eat me. Like, oh my god. god. <laughs> yeah, so that's basically all there is to Herbie. There's like one or two episodes where he has a plot line that doesn't revolve around Patsy. Um, like the motocross episode, him and Dex kind of have a bit of a rivalry. Well, it's a mostly one-sided rivalry because, like, Dex doesn't know what rivalry is. Yes. And then there's another episode, because all the plots that don't involve Patsy all involve Dex. And, like, there's another episode where, like, they, uh, get assigned to be, like, the, the buddies of, like, this, um... This delinquent, like... Who, who's clearly 25? Yeah, this... Like, there's... Okay, so, like... It's one of those episodes I'm like, we have this new student in our school who's been expelled from all of the other schools in the county. We're gonna have, like, the two skinniest guys in school be his buddies. And, like, you see him, he rides up on a motorcycle, and, like... I swear, the actor looked kind of familiar, but I'm not gonna look it up right now. Bob or something like that. And, like... He's just very clearly 25. He rides up on a motorcycle and his entire thing is that he's just super aggressive and mean for no real reason. Until like the end of the episode when like he gets in a fight with Dex but Dex manages to evade him with his sweet karate moves. And then like they have a magical understanding and they're now friends and then he's never seen again. Probably because they realized, like, oh, wait, you're too old to be in high school. Yeah, it's like, this guy would have been kicked out at some point, like, fully. Like, there's, I think there's only, like, a certain legal age they can keep you in school, in high school, before they're like, okay, just fucking leave, you're done. Yeah. So, finally we're at the villains. Uh, the two main villains, there's a huge rogues gallery, but they don't really do much, but... The main villain is Lord Dragon and Nefaria, who I think's his wife. It's implied that uh, she's his wife. Yeah. Dragon is kind of like a typical asshole villain who just wants to conquer Earth. Like, we actually looked, it's like, okay, why is he going to Earth? And we could not find a reason. Yeah, they reminded me a lot of the Machine Empire in that way. Like, okay, you have like this giant cast of bad guys whose entire plot is conquer earth question mark yeah i mean yeah that was like rita repulsa's entire thing in the first season like first three seasons of power rangers if we're being honest but then like you eventually develop like kind of a plot of just like oh well she then marries lord zed and then like she mostly just want to wants to fuck with the power rangers lives and then you get to turbo where you just you have diva talks who's just like i don't care about the earth i want to like mess with these teenagers for fucking up my wedding yeah <laughs> Viva la diva! Viva la diva! But yeah, um, Dragon and Nefaria have none of that. Like, basically their whole thing is they want to conquer Earth and Dragon is like the uncle of Dex, which you think would give you more dramatic stakes, but it absolutely does not do anything. Like, they, they have one episode where he, he, he makes Dex sick. And, uh, he has this telepathy. It's actually, like, a really good episode of how middle illness can affect you. But, right. you know, Dex gets better when his, like, uh, when King Lexian comes and makes him better. Uh, but, yeah. de- like, he just basically is like, Dex, you're weak and stupid and you smell. Yeah, and it's, like, it's not any different from any of the five million 
self-esteem, like, episodes they did on Power Rangers. Yeah. Um, Which is, like, the fact that, like, his uncle, his evil uncle is getting into his head and, like, implanting terrible thoughts, like, should be more interesting than it is. <laughs> uh, I, one of the things I noted was Nefaria was one the one who came up with the plans, and Dragon would just take credit for them if they were good. Typically, Nefaria would just be the one she'd be like, like, this is what we're going to do. And it'll come up with this really convoluted way to be like, this is how we're going to defeat the Masked Rider and take his powers. Because I guess taking the Masked Rider's powers means that you can conquer Earth. Also, Dragon has this, it's, uh, Dragon, because he is the uncle, he was not given those powers. It was uh, Dex's father that was given those powers, and I guess Dex's dad is dead or something. Yeah, they do imply fairly early on that Dex, ha- uh, Dex's parents are very long gone. So which is why the Stewarts are like, well, I guess we're your parents now. <laughs> uh, also, we found out, oddly enough, through researching this, is there may be a novella that explains why he wears a mask. Yeah, I mean, okay, we very obviously, we're going to talk more about this. Is that they just sort of gave him, like, this really awkward mask, the actor playing him. Uh, and a lot of that had to do with how Black RX's villain squad was. Yeah, and they tried to make the actress playing Neferia, they did do her makeup enough to make her match the the actress who played, I don't know if her name was Neferia in Black RX, but, like, there is one, there is one clip in one episode where you can see the villains from Black RX, and you're like, huh. They look very obviously different. But yeah, uh, there was also like a clone and tra- there was clone and transformation episodes. Yeah, um, shit, what were they about? <laughs> I know one of them was like, uh, Dragon was getting too uh, angry at Nefaria and just shrunk her and kidnapped Barbara and turned oh, Barbara yeah, yeah, evil. Yeah, right, I did want to talk about that episode because it was just fucking weird. <laughs> um... Because, like, Barbara gets, like, kidnapped because, like, Dragon wants somebody that he can, like, imprint, like, Nefaria's entire, like, personality on. So she's, like, evil for, like, an entire episode. But she gets conflicted feelings when, like, Dex won't fight her. And she's, like, he's, like, I can't fight you, Mom. I don't hate you. I love you. And then she's, like, what are, let's love. This is so confusing. I can't be evil because I feel love in my heart. And then, uh, yeah, the, tri- the clone episode. Oh. Where he clones the steward, like, evil clones of, st- he captures the stewards, then, uh, does the evil clones of stewards. Like- and, of course, their version of evil is very similar to, like, the Power Rangers version of evil, when they kind of get, like, possessed and just sort of, like, cause some vandalism at the school. Like, like, Barbo's like, oh, no, you can totally eat, like, junk food right now. Though, like, my, my favorite thing was Albie's evil clone should have been, like, the good one or something, because Albie's a chaos agent. Right? Like, oh god, like that South Park episode where, like, there was the, the alternate universe where, the like, Cartman in that universe was good. Yes! I, I am remiss to mention South Park at any given point, but, like, you know, being the little, like teenager i was like i did definitely watch it and i do definitely remember that episode and plus for a clone episode it kind of ends on a real whimper yeah usually whenever there's a clone involved there's this whole like back and forth is like try to test like 
you know, the person who needs to like defeat the clone to see if he knows who's the real, who's the real one, and who's the clone. And there's really none of that. Like, I think he got like, cause he's Dex, he figures that out right away. And then like banishes the, yeah, banishes the clone family of the shadow realm. It was dumb. Yeah. Most <sighs> of the, like the plots are dumb. It's a dumb show. It is. So now we're on our kind of characters we don't want to touch too much on because they they didn't do much, but we wanted to mention them. Super Nintendo Chalmers, as we as we quoted him as. Yeah. So the principal of the school is literally named Chalmers, and since we've both been watching a bunch of like Simpsons lately, we just couldn't help but keep making like Superintendent Chalmers jokes about him. <laughs> um, he's a real weird fucking dude. Yeah. Because, like, he's very obviously, like, he catches on the fact that Dex is, something's a little off about Dex. And, like, keeps trying to, like, figure out what Dex's entire deal is. And also maybe kind of exploit Dex for, like, money for the school. Like a public school principal. Yeah. Um, and then the other main, like, character you see at the school kind of reoccurring is that there's this science teacher that I don't even remember his name, and we couldn't find it when we were, like, doing our, like, writing up of this episode. Um, but he was just this very weird science teacher that they had who would get very into whatever the fuck they were talking about. He definitely convinced Super Nintendo Chalmers that there was an Aurora Borealis in his kitchen. <laughs> Aurora Borealis. <laughs> this time. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to do it. And then, of course, we have our dude and your dude, Moon Dude. Dude, that was his fucking name. Like, you didn't believe it at first. You're like, there's no way that this guy's name is Moon Dude. And then you looked it up, and it's, his name is Deadass. His name is Moon Dude. Dude. And we just kind of came up with that uh, his arcade was a front. Yeah, so because he runs the arcade, the Cosmos Arcade, and you see him in multiple episodes. Uh, and, like, Jay became convinced that, like, the business was a front for his, like, weed garden that he was, like, had in the back. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the other is King Lexian. He uh, kind of just shows up every now and then when, like, Dex needs to be healed or something. Yeah, he comes to Earth a couple of times, like, whenever, like, when the episode that you previously mentioned where Dex needed healing, um, he can be communicated with kind of via, like, hologram type thing through their head gems and gives Dex advice, um, and, like, he comes, like, he comes to Earth for Christmas because Santa grants Dex's wish after, like, Dex saves Santa from the maggots. Yeah. You know, it's not even, it's not, um, it's not any weirder than cross-current of holiday magic, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, and then a, kind of our final character we want to touch on, because he does show up in a couple of episodes, is Danaeus, um, who is Dex's best friend, quote-unquote, quote, aka boyfriend, from Edenoi. Uh, and he shows up a couple of times, one point I think he ends up getting kind of turned evil by... Dragon and Nefaria. Kind of takes on being, uh, he's like Moon Rider or something in this instead of, uh, I think he was Rider Man in Black RX. I could be wrong. Right. But, like, he just kind of gives, like, 
he comes to like earth and gives like dex extra powers that he can use so it was like the common rider gold and the common rider blue powers if i remember right or Ma- sorry master rider yeah master rider oh and going back for a second do we mention the fact that like uh nefaria comes up with the plans and dragon takes credit for them yes we have mentioned that like a typical man uh so yeah so finally we want to touch up yeah we're at our odds and ends which we have a lot of because it's such a weird fucking show uh but we want to talk about how this is lost media yeah so this show unlike you know shows like big bad beetleborgs or um vr troopers they're not on any sort of streaming service. Uh, I think part of that is, is due to the fact Toye very clearly does not want anybody to see this show. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, from what I last understood, is because currently Hasbro has the license. They actually bought this license from Saban Brands back in twenty when they acquired um, Power Rangers. They acquired a lot of other things from Saban Brands. Uh, it sounds like Toei is just like, no, please never show this again. And Toei's part owner of the footage, so they're just like, no. And, uh, th- that's why also, I think VR, VR Troopers and Beat Up Bad Beetleboards got, I know VR Troopers did, uh, but I, I think both of them have, like, a DVD release, and Master Rider did not. Yeah, um... Like, even, like, Mystic Knights of Tyrion and Og at least got a German DVD release, and this is, this one never got any of that. So, literally, when we tracked this down to watch it, one, we had to pirate it, because there was no other way to do it. Yeah. And then we got the episodes, and some of them are pretty okay quality. Like, they look like, because I know that there was, like, one official VHS release of, like, the first few episodes. And, like, so whoever was ripping it probably ripped it from that. And then the rest is, it can range anywhere from what looks like literal station masters of these episodes. So, basically, the master tapes that got sent to the networks to air. And then there's ones that are very clearly taken off of somebody's, like, home VHS recording. And they tried their best to cut out the commercials uh, but you can still see station IDs, and then there was like two or three episodes towards the end where the tracking was bad. Was it was way it was very bad. Like it just sounded very hollow. the The screen was moving around. It was there was even like tracking at one point. Oh god, it was yeah, it was an interesting experience because it's like we hadn't really encountered that yet so far i I was gonna say kurt pointed out it felt like when you would do a fan sub back in the day it was like the eighth tape going into it yeah no that makes sense like we've had to pirate stuff before like we've been using netflix for power rangers and all of that um the only other thing we really pirated was when we did the cutie honey episodes but like by that point you were you were starting to get into the HD era of television that you can very easily record this kind of stuff off of your TV and it was not a problem or like the it had a DVD release in Japan so you can just rip the DVDs and then just put it on the internet. Yeah. Like that was like you there there were workarounds there. But this one had none of that. Yeah. And so like we were dealing with like this digital copy of an analog copy yeah 
it was it was an experience to say the least. So it's probably going to be interesting when we get to older shows as well that haven't gotten mm-hmm. the that haven't gotten the releases like Mystic Nights. We're going to do uh, Lost Listadores. That's definitely one of the ones. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it's pretty much uh, if it's not for the torrent, it is lost media at this point. And I'm actually yeah. hilariously planning to hold on to this. So if anyone wants it, hit me up. I will give you this fucking series. Yeah, it is. I can kind of understand why Toye doesn't want to deal with it. But, like, at the same time, it's still just weird that something like this that, like, had, like, toy releases and all of that can just sort of go away. Yeah. Like, I think we're, we are so used to in a digital age where it seems like everything is easily accessible. But it's easy to forget that, like, not everything made the digital age transfer. Yeah. And, like... They're literally, I think I remember seeing this on a thread on Twitter, is that somebody talked about how, like, for years, the the Disney show, so weird, you could literally only, like, watch it similar to what, like, how we did this for Mass Rider. Mm-hmm. It wasn't widely available until Disney put it on Disney Plus uh, last year. Yeah. So, something that we also noticed about it, it kind of has, like, an open book ending. Like, it kind of ends like if okay if this is like if you watch it it's like okay if this is the last episode ever it is kind of a decent ish for saban series finale mm-hmm. um but they are may have also set it up like well maybe we'll have a second season maybe the toys didn't sell so no no real quick that's why it got canceled it was not selling toys which you know <laughs> it's it's funny how that still sometimes dictates like if show like children's shows stay on the air also like at one point like oh not one point like it was literally the last episode they do introduce the fact that there are multiple mass writers in the universe which they got the names of wrong because i'm guessing like they were just handed this footage toei didn't explain who which writer was what so they had to guess by looking at them yeah, and it's all, like, the Showa-era writers, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's, like, they, you see all of the Showa-era writers, and they're there to help Dex, like, defeat King Dragon, or, sorry, Count Dragon, rather. But they don't explain where they come from, who they are, besides the fact, oh, they're, they're other masked writers, and they're going to help you out. And it's, like, are these Dex's ancestors coming back through time? Are these other, like, alien beings that are just, like, I am also the master writer of my planet. I'm here to save the day. Are they other kings of uh, of Edenoi? Yeah, like, none of that is explained. It's just that, oh, we have some other master writers. They're here to help. And it's like, you've introduced this concept in the last fucking episode. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then, so that's just like, well, there's other master writers, and we're never going to have a second season, so bye! Um... So that's that. The others was one of the things we wanted to point out where the maggots were terrible. That was the foot soldiers. Uh, Kamen Rider does not normally have foot soldiers uh, that I'm aware of. And I have watched a little Black and Black RX. And it's just like they had to make up some foot soldiers and they were fucking like, like how could defeat them with bug spray? Yeah, they were parentally useless. I will say something interesting kind of in the early part of the season, like especially kind of the first couple of episodes like, they keep talking about, like, oh, this proves that aliens are real when, like, Dex comes to Earth and, like, you know, Furs falls behind him and he's fighting all of these, like, monsters. 
And it's just sort of like, wait, doesn't this take place in the same, like, universe as Power Rangers? Like, isn't the fact that the Power Rangers exist and they fight monsters on the regular, like, isn't that obvious? And so I was like, did they, did they kind of retcon it out of Power Rangers canon? Like, I was real confused about that. And then, like, two episodes after that, they bring up the fact that, yes, Dex did meet the Power Rangers. And they show the long clip of him meeting the Power Rangers. So it's like, so the Power Rangers do exist in this universe. At, at the same time, that was shown up in, like, cut out of evidence, however. Because uh, they originally cut it out. Right. Uh, that, that bit. So the, we got to see the tape that was brought out, which brought the footage back in. Uh-huh. Uh, when it aired, however, Saban just kind of reformatted it to kind of sever the link to it. it huh. It's just never there. Weird. Yeah. So, like kind of question mark about does this series actually exist in the same universe as Power Rangers? Yeah, the friend in need, that was exclusive to the VHS release only, so. Alright, interesting. I will say, kind of going back to kind of the other Master Rider thing, because we kind of touched on the Lost Novella, um, we know that there's also a Master Rider comic, but I, we weren't able to track that down either. Uh, I just looked at it, I just love the fact that Dex is like, this chiseled looking man at 17. I'm like, what? It's like, I'm a 17 year old boy. And he's got a jawline. Yeah. <laughs> um, but go on. So when we were talking about the whole like other master writers showing up and then like you had the whole thing with like Albie, like having the dream where he had the other master writer powers. It's like, you know, if they did successfully manage to reboot master writer, for a more modern age. This is like a perfect opportunity to kind of rip off Shazam. Yeah. For because for those who haven't seen Shazam, and this is a slight spoiler alert, um, it's a very good movie. You should go watch it. There's a whole thing where um Billy Bastion is taken in by a foster family because he's kind of been through the foster system continuously after being abandoned by his mother at a really young age. And he so he's with this like like transracial mixed race uh foster family and uh at the end of the film like because it's the whole thing where he can you know billy has to learn that like his his real family isn't the mother that abandoned him it's the foster family that took him in at the end of the movie they in the third act they get the shazam powers too the rest of the, the foster family does so it's like that's something you could have done with the other masked writers was just like have like molly and maybe albie have like get masked writer powers as well it'd be interesting it would be interesting but you know again never gonna happen unless you write fanfic about it yeah that, that's a general you. That's not me saying Jay needs to write fanfic. I may. Um, and you do what you want. <laughs> uh, one of the things before we get to kind of some of the zaniness was, again, I am going through uh, quitting vaping and smoking. So I went to, we watched a little bit of this while I was having an intense brain fog due to nicotine withdrawal. And I couldn't remember the word pool. So I said the swim place. Yeah, because it's like there's this entire episode where they go, it's, there's a giant heat wave in, in Leewood. So they're like, let's go to the pool and cool off because every children's show has a plot like that. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, they're going to go to the swim place. And you're like, I'm just like, you mean the public pool? (laughs) But yeah, um, 
But one of the things kind of uh, you pointed out was the editing around the Japanese footage was a little bit more obvious than previously done. And uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, Black RX was made in like 1988 and this was made in like 1995. So unlike Power Rangers where there was a discrepancy between what they were filming with, with the Sentai versus Power Rangers... Early on, like, the Sentai would be, like, a year old. This was, like, almost a decade-old footage that they were using. So it just kind of was very obvious. Uh, my favorite, oftentimes, were when Dex was, uh, obviously Kotaro from, from Black RX. Yeah, the first time we noticed it was in the episode where Dex is learning how to drive. Yeah. And, like... At some point, there's a part where, like, the driving teacher who's been, put, like, yeah, replaced and mimicked by, like, one of the maggots or one of the, like, the monsters from, um, Dragon's, like, horde. Yeah. And, like, so Dex ends up on the hood of the car. And then, like, they'll intersperse the footage from Black RX. And then you can very clearly see there's a Japanese actor on the hood and not Ted Jan Roberts. Yeah, I was just like, oh my god, this is hilarious. And this happened multiple times. Like, you never really saw, like, uh, you said Kotaro? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a character. It's like, you would see, like, his back of his head, but not his face, but it's still very clearly obvious that that is a totally different person. Yeah, it's like, that is clearly an adult man. Yeah, um, and not a 17-year-old boy. So, kind of our highlights of, again, this series is very weird, so our, our... We got a few highlights we wanted to talk about, which one was Dex at Bat, which we thought was going to be a baseball episode, and not about Albie somehow getting into, like, getting the possession of a fruit bat. Yeah, and, like, literally we see this bat puppet, and l all three of us at the same time, this includes Kurt, just go, BAT! <laughs> oh my god, it was... We kept doing this throughout the entire episode. For a show that made no sense. This episode especially made no sense. Because it was like, Albie just suddenly, like, he was taking care of it for a friend or something. I'm like, what What friend has a fruit bat from, like, another country? I thought it was, like, a school pet. It was something weird. Which, again, it's a weird school pet to have. And I'm not going to go back and look it up. Because, again, I've been, like, ha running on fumes for the past two weeks because of my new job. So I am just very tired all the time. <laughs> So it's a surprising I remember half of this shit. There was the episode where Dex briefly got a job and was never mentioned again. And that was with Moon Dude. Yeah, because it's like he got a job because he broke one of Barb's like platters. Uh, and he was able to put it back together. But you could still very obviously see the cracks in it. So Dex felt bad and he went and got a job. There's a weird moment where he goes looking for a job and he gets like one with an exterminate like... An exterminator offers him a job, and then he finds out, like, what an exterminator does, and he's just like, I'm gonna leave now. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Um, Furbus has a souped-up lawnmower in one of the episodes, and the entire episode revolves around, like, Albie uh, being in an RC race against a rival. And the, the funny thing is the episode ends with just the race starting. Side note, Albie has a lot of villains for, like, a five-year-old. Or was he eight? I don't know. He was sent clearly in elementary school, and he already had, like, two different rivals. Oh, my God, for Albie. But, yeah, Farbus just makes a souped-up lawnmower and a jacket and shit and drives through town. And, it, like, when he shows up to, like, 
the race, Hal has to, like, go, like, oh, he's just this puppet I'm inventing. Yeah, because he's just, like, he makes it seem like it's just, like, an RC puppet. And, like, somebody's like, oh, I want to buy one of those for my I, I kids. And he's like, uh, it's still in prototype stages. Yeah. And the other one was the Saturday morning invasion, which went... Okay, the the preview of the episode made it look like this evil alien was going to show up to Earth. No, it was just some random alien using the equation uh head head thing, I might add. Yeah, they just repainted the equation like like uh prosthetic for him. And uh the thing that makes me laugh about it was just like or just that just horrified us was that for Cell admitted they had the wookie like talk from uh from uh the Star Wars holiday special where all you could hear was like gibberish it's just yeah it's just wookie like you know like how it's just like except it was purpose going mommy yummy 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 i'm doing that though yeah like it was just that and it's like what the fuck is happening am i am i am i imagining this am i dead (laughs) uh we also wanted to point out the weird psychotic animal control in furbus's day off like, the entire episode was weird in general because it was just Furbus getting into shenanigans while the Stuarts were out celebrating Hal and Barbara's anniversary, but uh, basically got locked out of the house after getting a pizza, and the animal control, like, like shows up, and they have, like, uh, like on uh, planes and, like, fighter planes where it had, like, how many enemies you destroyed on the plane. Well, they had that for animals. And you don't want to think about it, that's how many animals they've caught or how many animals they've put to, put to sleep. Yeah. And that that was the one with the jackass bit. Yeah, it's like, I'm Furbus and welcome to jackass. There was the entirety of the play episode and it was called Passenger Furbus. This was definitely pre-9-11 because they, they have a last minute, like, planning trip to go to, I think, like, Hell or Barbara's, like, relatives. And uh, just, it was a weird episode where... The plane got overbooked, and then the feria came and stepped in and offered people, like, thousands of dollars so the stewards could get on board, and they tried to crash the plane or something. Yeah, it's like, it's not even just yeah, that. It's weird. It's, one, Nefaria pretends to be a, a flight attendant for the entire episode, and she is very bad at customer service. Oh, she is terrible. Yeah, and at one point, like, she gives the whole speech about, like, you know, the safety parts of the plane, and it just reminded me of that Patton Oswalt's JetBlue bit, and he talks about the, the flight attendant, the JetBlue flight attendant, who's got, like, the dead face while she's giving, like, the, the live, like, you know, safety demonstration, and it's just that, that, you know, none of this will save you, like, I, I would, like, we're gonna piss on, on God's face for, like, four hours, like, I, I you wanna get off the plane, I'll get off now. <laughs> And, like, she basically just has that entire vibe of just, like, I'm just fucking here. I don't give a shit. (laughs) And, like, and then at some point, Furbis, like, gets control of the plane? Yeah, that was so fucking... Furbis knows how to operate heavy machinery, and I am scared for it. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, there are multiple episodes where he drives. He takes over a plane at one point. He knows how to soup up a riding mower... I'm like, how does Furbus have so much, like, mechanical knowledge, and yet all he can say is, like, Mommy, yummy! Mommy, yummy! Dex! 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 Then there was the game show episode, Know Your Neighbor. That episode was so bizarre. Like, that was another one of those episodes that, like, have we 
talked about me and hobgoblins on this show yet? No, I don't think we have. Okay, so this is going to be a quick, like, little rabbit trail, but it, it goes somewhere to back to this. It has a point. So, when I was in high school, Jay would send me episodes of MST3K a lot. Um, I said I probably watched about half of them, um, usually because short attention span. Um, and one of those episodes- He's also on YouTube, so- He is also on YouTube, so this was, like, pre-Netflix streaming. So, one of those episodes was Hobgoblins- and I remember watching it, and I f- started falling asleep towards the end of the episode. And I remember kind of waking up tor- at the end, and it was really weird. And I kept going in and out of consciousness, and eventually, like, fell asleep. So for years, I assumed I just dreamed the ending of Hobgoblins. I... Jay then told me later, no, you didn't dream that. That happened. <laughs> uh, and I'm still not fully convinced. <laughs> um, but that's besides the point. What I'm saying about this particular episode is that this is an episode that if I had fallen asleep watching it and was only kind of watching it out of one bleary eye, I would have sworn I just dreamed this episode up. It is that weird. Yeah, it was basically like the stewards get on... First off, it was a live TV cam back in 1995 that selected the Stewarts to go on the show Know Your Neighbor, which was basically like family feud mixed with Double Dare. Double Dare. Uh, so instead of like slime, they had mud and stuff like that. And, and it was so weird. And then Furbus got control of the episode at one point. And like covered the host in mud and i should note that the host has a very bad toupee i, I was like they don't play on it like uh what was his name in power rangers uh the principal there oh god chaplain or something yeah, i don't really remember either yeah and like the host is just sort of he's very sur- kind of surreal and bizarre and like and then the episode just kind of ends where like the the, the stewards win and like uh because Dex has to keep leaving, uh, cause, you know, Master Rider Duty calls. And he comes back and they let him, like, pick the final prize, which is, like, a mystery prize or a brand new car. And, like, the family keeps saying, brand new car, brand new car, brand new car. And Dex is like, I want the mystery prize. And it's like a bat, it's like a barrel of gummy bugs. Yeah. Uh, cause everything comes back to bugs. And then they get, they get covered in mud at the end of the episode, too. And it's just like, why? why why is this <laughs> that's where we're gonna kind of end our our discussion of this is our recommendation and it is just it's like why is this and it's very weird yeah it is probably one of the weirdest things we've watched so far for this like podcast if you're into weird lost media this might be something you like uh i think i honestly think it's better than what most people say uh say but it, it's still a very weird show it's still kind of bad uh, and I cannot say whether I truly liked it or not. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. I spent months dreading our watch of the show due to the kind of the reputation it has within the fandom and my general dislike of the backdoor pilot episode from Power Rangers. Is it good? Mm, probably not. Uh, is it weird as hell and an interesting case study in Saban throwing things at the wall and seeing what's stuck after Power Rangers? Oh, yeah, definitely. And if you want to kind of see that and see, like, somebody trying to make more money in real time, uh, definitely recommend checking it out then. 
Furbus can still fall in a pit and die, though. Yeah, it's a very weird show, and glad it's over. Anyway, thank you for listening to us. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, Kate Nix for our uh, theme song. Uh, she can be found at I am Kate Nix on Twitter. Uh, she also has a website, katenix.com, where you can find your Bandcamp merch and streaming. Uh, the Lullaby Lounge is Tuesday evenings at 8, and as of this recording, it's taking a, uh, she is taking a break, but she is still hosting reruns on Twitch. Uh, she also uh, has, you might have seen her cat, uh, Winslow, play the piano. She has a very talented family. Yes, and um, you can go pick up his single on Bandcamp. It's called Bean Gotta Scream. It's very catchy. Meow, meow, meow. Yeah, bing, bing, gotta scream. Meow, 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 meow. meow. <laughs> uh, we would also like to thank Joe Hunter for art. Uh, you can find him uh, at Twitter at Joe underscore Hunter and at Instagram at Joe Bloody Hunter. Uh, he's kind of gotten hit with COVID, uh, the pandemic, in terms of like losing a, a job and stuff. Uh, so if you want to check out his Threadless, which is joehunter.threadless, or his Patreon, which is joe underscore hunter, and help him out and support him you can. Uh, he also is now on issue two of Beast Heart Stri- Strikers, with, um, he, with, that he's writing with, and he's doing the art and he's writing with Lance Pitts. Kurt Yoder for our editing. Um, we still have The Great SG Creations on Etsy, if you're willing to grab a pokemon or two we still have a lot of those our wrestler of the podcast we decided would be mad kurt from from the uk scene he is known for yelling uh, not yelling but saying okay boomer to various people and trolling them he's kind of the chaos version of dex and you can find him at madkurt.com yeah, and he's also on twitter at um is i think it's the mad kurt yes it's at the mad kurt yeah, he is he is a bomb in our dark times. Yes. Um, and then as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Miss Kitty F. Usually just shit posting all about there. Uh, mostly been talking about Star Wars lately. Um, you can also find me on Gumroad. Uh, that's going to be gumroad.com slash Ashley Leckwold. And then I am still selling a ton of masks um like sales have kind of slowed down in the past month as we kind of get further into uh the COVID-19 pandemic so I I do have a new job now so it's a little less of a concern but you can still buy my mask so I'm not just uh making more than I sell and that's you can find that at ashley-leckwell.square.site I know it does not roll off the tongue well um you can also still reach me privately for tarot readings and such and then uh, for me right now, you can find me on Instagram at jjackets and uh, as well as my cat's Instagram, Witchcraft and Cats. Uh, it's, in, it's an and instead of an and. Uh, my Twitter, as of this podcast, it is currently locked because I am job hunting and I don't want anyone to look at my social media. Uh, but uh, it's since two as in the numer- uh, number two hell. Uh, and, um, I am also starting to make soap if you want to follow so you can get when my site opens, which is probably going to be in the next week of this podcast or the week of this podcast. It's Coda's Magical Crafts and it's at Coda's Crafts on, uh, Twitter and I'll have the website link there for that. And, uh, Ranger Splane, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and WordPress, um, 
with Ranger Splane uh, as the handle. WordPress is rangersplane.wordpress.com. Uh, we are currently working on revamping our Patreon. Uh, we're discussing on what to do and where to go next, but we still have our Patreon uh, up and ready uh, as at Rangersplane. Uh Tune in to next month as we go into the season that actually inspired this podcast. That's right. Better make it a light speed rescue. Black Lives Matter. Stay safe and may the power protect you. Go. Go.